Working on the weekend like usual Way off in the deep end like usual Niggas swear they passed us, they doing too much Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up Virgil got a paddock on my wrist going nuts Welcome, 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 and to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy, Jalen. And if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, please subscribe. I would definitely appreciate it, wherever you're listening or where, however you're consuming this. Please subscribe. It would definitely help. It would definitely mean a lot. Um, and please share. You know, please let people know uh, if you like what you hear. You know, it is what it is. So. Again, this is the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy, Jalen. And last night, what we saw in the, in the national championship was two teams in two different places. And I don't mean that to say that Clemson is a bad team. I don't mean that. I mean, Clemson, they won 29 straight games before last night. But first of all, let me, let me say this. Congratulations to the LSU Tigers for beating the Clemson Tigers in the national championship 42 to 25. And when I said, when I say that both of these teams were in two different places, going into night or going into last night, Clemson like I said won 29 straight. But their hardest competition was probably actually wasn't no probably was definitely Ohio State. In the ACC, there's no team like Ohio State. There's no team like LSU. So when you go through the regular season and you play teams, that's on your schedule. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're ducking any competition. But, you know, you're only as good as, as your schedule, really. And then, no, I'm not saying that Clemson's bad. I'm not saying Clemson sucks. I'm not saying none of that. What I'm saying is, like I said, you're only as good as your schedule. So... When you play teams like Ohio State, that's why it took, a, it took them a little bit, you know, it took them maybe, they were down 16 points in, at Ohio, or against Ohio State, because they never, they haven't seen a team all season with that type of physicality. And then you go over to LSU, LSU is unlike any team, not only Clemson's seen, but we have seen as fans. LSU pulled off the greatest college football regular season ever let me just let me just rattle off some 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 numbers that they did they went 15 and 0 of course that's not the first time we've seen a team go undefeated but they went 15 and 0 they've scored the most touchdowns in a season in college football history they've gained the most yards in college football history they had the most touchdowns over 30 yards in college football history and the thing that really encapsulates this, well, the thing that really puts a stamp on this season, not only the winning the national championship, of course, but they won seven games, seven out of 15 games against top 10 teams. That is almost, that has never been seen before. And don't get me wrong. I, again, I'm not taking away from anything Clemson has done. Hell, I had Clemson winning the national championship. I, I thought, you know, Trevor Lawrence, from what we've seen last year in the national championship to this year, I thought that, he, you know, he was going to propel the team. I thought that, you know, you have players like T.E.N., you have Dabo Sweeney, who's a great coach. They have, and I thought they had a complete team, which they did. They have a really solid defense and a, and a high-octane offense. I thought they were going to win the national championship. 
So, no, I'm not taking anything away from Clemson. And I'm not saying that Clemson sucks or anything, but this, the, LSU won this game. Clemson didn't lose this game. LSU won this game. Joe Burrow, who will pretty much, if he didn't solidify himself as the number one overall pick before last night, he definitely, first of all, if he didn't solidify himself before last night, I don't know what the Bengals are doing. And I, But last night really showed why Joe Burrow is a special talent. First of all, the man transfers from Ohio State from the transfer portal. The first year in LSU, he didn't look good at all. In 13 games, he only had 16 touchdowns. LSU did not look good last year. They, they, they didn't look, they are nowhere close to the national champions that we see today. But then he goes, of course, practices, trains, get better, or gets better, and comes back and throws the most touchdown passes in college football history in a season. And he has he threw the most touchdowns in the and, and yes I know the college football playoffs is only what five six years, but he's thrown the most touchdowns in college football playoff history in two games in four, fourth fourteen last night he attributed he had five passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Joe Burrow is all the number one overall pick. He. It, <laughs> When, when, when we talk about number one overall pick, what do you want as a number one overall pick? You want someone that can come in and, and have an immediate impact, a positive immediate impact. You want somebody that can be a, a franchise changer or a franchise staple. And you want somebody that's a sure bet. And what we've seen from Joe Burrow this season, he is a sure bet. He is a franchise changer. He is someone that especially since the Bengals need a quarterback, he is someone that will, that can have an immediate impact. But last night, Joe Burrow accounted for six touchdowns. And LSU just looked better. LSU looked better than Clemson. And, and I'm not saying, I know it, clearly they were better than one, but it's an eye test thing. You know, sometimes a team could win, but the you know, and what you've seen, the better team didn't win. Sometimes when you when you went, some some teams can win or some players can win. It's just like, you know, he wasn't the prime prime example. Almost every time LeBron loses, a lot of people said, you know, the best player didn't win, but the best team might have won. This year, we saw the best player in Joe Burrow. And, 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 and again, going into the game, I thought that Trevor Lawrence was just as good, if not better, than Joe Burrow. Now, one thing that I didn't really account for was Joe Burrow seasoned. Yes, he had a Heisman season, but Joe Burrow, he's a five-year player. You know, and, and playing backup to people like Dwayne Haskins, uh, he's able in his 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 competitive drive. He's able to get better year after year. Trevor Lawrence, and we saw this last night. Trevor Lawrence had probably his worst game he's ever had, and he had thirteen overthrows. And a lot of the throws, one you have to credit, and, and this is why. Look, one you have to credit the LSU defense. 
And I will be the first one to admit that I was never sold on LSU's defense. In fact, that's the reason why I thought Clemson was going to win. I thought Clemson had the better overall team. I thought Clemson had, uh, especially defensively, had a better defense. I mean, you had players like Deion Kendricks. You had players like A.J. Terrell. I thought that those two were the best players on on the field when LSU's offense was out there and Clemson's defense was out there. That's what I thought would happen. But before we keep going, I have to address this. Jamar Chase, Thaddeus Moss, and Terrence Marshall Jr. Deion Ken, uh, Deron Kendricks and A.J. Terrell are Clemson's best corners. They were facing, they were going up against Jamar Chase, Thaddeus Moss, and Terrell Marshall. Or Ter- I'm sorry, Terrence Marshall the entire night. And this is why, this is another reason why I said that LSU... This LSU team was one of the best teams in college football history. They made Deion Kendricks and A.J. Terrell look like little leaguers. Again, these are Clemson's best corners. And they were taking turns. They were trying to. There was a point of the game where Clemson was trying to hide both of them. Their best corners, they were trying to hide because they couldn't do anything with Chase, with Moss, with Marshall. They couldn't do anything with them. Hell, Chase had two touchdowns, Marshall had a touchdown, and Thaddeus Moss had two touchdowns. Against Clemson's best corners. Against an A.J. Terrell who... And, and AJ Terrell, who was projected to go in the first round of the of the of of next year's draft or this year's draft, they were getting destroyed. I remember I texted my man Mike. I was like, "Yo, that's AJ Terrell and Deron Kendricks, right? Like those are those are Clemson's best corners, looking like." They're playing rookie on Madden, and, and Ma- Chase, Moss, and Marshall are playing Hall of Fame. Look. When you have a coach like Ed Orgeron who revamped that offense to, you know, we talk about, and we'll talk about this a little later, we talk about how Harbaugh re- revamped his entire team around Lamar Jackson. Ed Orgeron revamped his entire offense around Joe Burrow. And and that's kind of unprecedented unprecedented because we don't really see transfer transfer portal quarterbacks have an offense wrapped around them unless they're like once in a generation player like Cam Newton was was a player that hit the transfer transfer portal and of course we know what he did at Auburn. Joe Burrow had a better season than Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, to me, is, is one of the best college football players I've ever seen for a season, at least. I'm not saying he was only good for a season. But for that season, when he won the national championship in Auburn, that was one of the best, best seasons I've ever seen 
as a college football fan from a player. Joe Burrow had a better season times two than Cam Newton this year. And the reason why it's unprecedented because of recruiting, because of, you know, homegrown players. Joe Burrow's from Ohio. Now, Ed Orgeron is a, a, a Louisiana native, of course, but, you know, when you have a, a, a top school like Clemson, you don't really, I mean, I mean, like LSU, you don't really see a, a transfer portal. You know, let me say this. Let me say it like this. Last night, we saw damn near the whole NFL on LSU side. We saw Marcus Peters, we, or Marcus Spears. We saw um, Ryan Clark. We saw Odell Beckham Jr. We saw Patrick Peterson. We saw Tyron Matthew. The reason why all those, we look at, we look at Tyron Matthews. We look at, you know, Ryan Clark when he played. We look at Odell Beckham Jr. And we say those are great, great NFL players and, and Patrick Peterson. Why didn't they not have the success that why why are we saying that with all those great players hell what we Jarvis Landry with all those great players why is this the best LSU team they've that's that's ever been assembled and that's because of the quarterback when you look at and I talked about this uh, I think a couple podcast episodes ago when you had a uh, OBJ and Jarvis Landry on the same team. The reason why they didn't go as far as they could have gone was because they didn't have a quarterback. When you look at the Ryan Clark teams, the Patrick Peterson teams, the Marcus Spears teams, they didn't have a quarterback. Their, their, their philosophy was not, let's go with the quarterback. Now, of course, I know Ryan Clark and Spears were, and Patrick Peter, Patterson, Patrick Peterson, I'm sorry, were defensive players, but those are, you know, Ryan Clark is a Super Bowl winner. Patrick Patterson, Patrick Peterson is one of the best second, uh, one of the best defensive defenders in the NFL. Marcus Spears did what he did in the NFL. And with all that talent, this is the best LSU team we have ever seen because of the quarterback play, because of the running back play, because of the 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 offense because of the again last night wasn't it wasn't just a one off Jameer Chase Thaddeus Moss and Terrence Marshall Jr. have been doing this all year and that does that doesn't there were questions like I said about their defense but one question that was not a question was Derek Stingler or Derek Stingley I'm sorry Derek Stingley was the best defender on the enti- in the entire game. It's like whatever side of the field he was on the entire game was pretty much locked down, shut down. Joe, I mean, t- uh, Trevor Lawrence did not try to throw him the ball at all because whoever he was covering was completely covered. Now, we can say that James Laskowski uh, was the best, the best defender last night, and it did definitely change the game when he got ejected for targeting. That definitely was a game changer, a momentum changer for Clemson. But even though his impact didn't leap off the leap off the field or leap off the paper, what we saw Derek Stingley did last do last night was incredible. He 
and, and the funny thing, and what really helped him be such a really good corner was his background as a wide receiver. So he knows the, the small details that wide receivers do. You know, when they start looking up, he starts looking up. When, you know, he's a really good route runner because he was a wide receiver. And he understands how wide receivers think. Hell, they, uh, LSU had to convince him and had to really fight him tooth and nail not to play wide receiver. And if he played wide receiver, he would, he would probably be their best wide receiver. And that's how good Derek Stingley is. So this last night was just a, a, a culmination of everything we've seen all season from LSU. Again, I thought that Clemson was going to win because, hell, when you have players like Trevor Lawrence, when you have play, uh, running backs like uh, Ian, when you have James Skowski, who is a hard-headed, when you have Deron De- Kendricks, when you have A.J. Terrell, when you have the wide receivers that they have, and when you're coached by Dabo Sweeney, we've seen them succeed. We've seen them against Alabama. We've seen them against Ohio State. And I think I was just overlooking how good. I'm not going to say overlooking. I was trying not to see how good LSU was. I was trying not to see the seven wins against top ten opponents. I was trying not to see that LSU is the first team to beat the number one, two, and three defenses in college football. I was trying to see, you know, Joe Burrow is really good, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't been tested. I was trying to hype myself to say that Trevor Lawrence was better than Joe Burrow, even though we've seen Joe Burrow just win a Heisman. So again, congratulations to LSU, the LSU Tigers, for defeating the Clemson Tigers 42-25. to Next year, like they came out with, a, of course, way too early ranking for next year. And a lot of people are thinking that LSU cannot, they're going to lose Joe Burrow to the, to the draft, of course. And they think because of Joe Burrow, they're not going to be able to be as good as they are this year. Do I, I think, one, I think Clemson will probably be as good this year, if not better, because Trevor Lawrence is coming back, because Ian's coming back. And yes, I understand you're going to lose Joe Burrow, and of course losing a Heisman winner is is huge. But when you have Clyde Edwards Hellier coming back, when you have Chase, when you have Moss, when you have Marshall, when you have Stingley coming back, all the, the one, two, three, four, five, those those five are NFL players at at key positions. You have a tight end, two running, two wide receivers, a corner, and a running back. And of course, because of the transfer portal, because of recruiting, I think they're no, they're not going to find another Joe Burrow. That's not going to happen. You're not Joe Burrow is a once in a generation college player, and, and I'm not saying just college because he can be, he can be an incredible NFL player who we we haven't seen yet. But he's a once in a generation college player. But because the transfer portal is so integral right now and because recruiting is so big especially after winning a national championship I, I i don't know if 
currently constructed, LSU has enough to to make it to the national championship next year. But I know that they will. They definitely have enough to be one of the teams viable for it. I think Clemson, mainly because Trevor Lawrence is coming back, definitely has a case of being in the national championship next year. Definitely look out for Ohio State. Justin Fields is coming back. Yes, they lose Chase Young and they lose their their running back. But Justin Fields was a Heisman finalist for a reason, and he's coming back. Definitely, you have to you have to look at Alabama. You have to look at Ohio State, not Ohio, not uh, Oklahoma. But I think that currently constructed right now, LSU might be maybe the third team. I still would pick them. I pick Justin Justin Fields and Ohio State over them next year. But we still need to see whoever, whatever quarterback they bring in, how he does. So. Again, shouts out to LSU for beating Clemson 42-25. The next, the, 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 the second biggest story that happened yesterday, I'm not going to say, yeah, story that happened yesterday, were the Astros. Now, as we know, the Astros were caught sign-stealing their opponents the year that they won the World Series. It was a huge story because it's illegal, and a lot of people didn't know how they would they would get disciplined. It's like, do you do you vacate or do you vacate their World Series championship? Do you vacate their wins? Do you suspend the players? Do you suspend the the, the manager? Do you suspend the GM? I, because this was so unprecedented. The league did not know how to handle the situation. And because that sign stealing gave the Astros an, a, a huge monumental advantage in the World Series, which is why they won. Now, of course, they still had great players and everything, but that's the reason why they won, because of the sign stealing. And I'm not saying that the Astros are the first team to do this, but they are the first team to get caught doing this. So because of that, you kind of knew that the, the punishment, and they even said the punishment will have to be harsh, will have to be severe because they want to deter people from doing this again. And yesterday we had the punishment. Manager A.J. Hinch and GM Jeff Lunau were suspended one year. The Astros lost a first and second round pick in 2020 and 2021. And they were fined $5 million. Now, no, they didn't vacate the wins. No, they didn't take away the, the, the championship. They, they're still kind of assessing that. But the manager and the GM were suspended for one year. Never seen that. They lost, first, they lost one, a first and second round picks in the 2020-2021. That is, that is severe, especially for the Astros and for baseball and fine five million dollars which is also severe this is a very severe punishment because they want to deter somebody from ever doing this again because they understand how and how integral and how how much of an advantage you get if this happens now owner Joe Crane then fired Jay Hinch or AJ Hinch and Jeff Lonell 
And of course, Jeff Lonow came out and said, that, no, uh, AJ Hinch, I believe, came out and said that I had nothing to do with this. This was the players. No, it was the GM. I had nothing to do with this. This was the players. This was low-level employees. This was, had nothing to do with me. The reason why I think they're saying this is because they're trying to get another job. Jeff Lunau and AJ Hinch are definitely going to try to get another job. The thing is, I don't know if they will ever get another job in the MLB because this is this is huge. This is unprecedented. Like I said, you don't want you don't want to bring on a manager that is known that is openly known for cheating because that is a, that will bring a huge dent onto your team. You don't want to bring a GM that is known for cheating because that is a huge dent for your organization and because those two have a hand-to-hand on who you bring in and who you pay in free agency. That that right there is 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 they pretty much sign their own death death notes when it comes to trying to get another job in MLB baseball. And the thing is, as, as, as we remember, and they came out saying Alex, Alex Cora, who is the manager for the Boston Red Sox, he also got caught stealing signs in the year they won their champion, the World Series. And they, they, they haven't released a punishment for him yet, but they're pretty much saying that it's going to be long, a lot longer than A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lou now because he's known to have done this before. You see, this t- what we saw yesterday was very severe from the commissioner, of course, uh, or from the, the punishment that we saw the Astros get handed down was severe. But it's really a wait-and-see type situation. Say you're a team like the, the Rays. Say you're a team like the, the Marlins. And you have an opportunity to win a World Series by cheating. Now, as we know how bad the Rays are, how bad the Marlins are, what you want to try to do is get a ring. We get that. So this we it's very hard to to to, to know if, you know, they you have to really be bad at cheating to get caught cheating. And of course, it was like a whole whistleblow type situation. We know what happened with the Astros. The only way that we would know if this... We know that on paper, this is a very severe punishment. But we will only have to see if it really deters people. Because at the end of the day, as of right now, their wins still count. Their, that World Series still counts. They weren't, they weren't vacated a World Series. So... If you're a team like the Marlins, if you're a team like the Rays, if you're a team like the the A's, do you then try to cheat your way and just say like, hey, we're gonna we might lose the manager, we might lose the GM, you know, we might get fine, we might lose some draft picks. However, we have a World Series, so it's just gonna take time, and we're we're gonna have to see just how, just if this punishment really really deters people from doing this because again what's more important a first and second round draft pick and five million dollars or 
bringing a World Series championship to your organization? Losing a GM and a manager or bringing the first World Series to your organization? You know, it, it's just a wait and see process. No A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lou now, I don't think they will ever get another job in the MLB. But we have to sit, we, this, to really know how severe this is, we're really going to have to wait and see. So, you know, that was, that was, that's what happened. Moving forward, so the NFL divisional round happened, and I, I did a video where I predicted the Ravens, the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Green Bay Packers were all going to win, and I was, I was right three out of four times, and how I, how I kind of, how I predicted kind of happened. Now, let's, let's start with the Ravens and Tennessee Titans. That is something that I did not predict. I did not predict Lamar Jackson having his worst game of the season. I did not predict that historic, historic offense getting slowed down by the Tennessee Titans. I did not predict Derrick Henry, even though I knew he was going to run wild, I didn't think he was going to run wild enough to really kill the Ravens. I didn't think that Harbaugh was going to be outcoached. I didn't think that no unit of the Ravens played good. Lamar Jackson didn't play good. The wide receivers didn't play good. The tight ends didn't play good. The offensive line didn't play good. The defensive line didn't play good. The the corners didn't play good. No special teams didn't play good. Nobody played good. And watching that game, you know, you saw Lamar Jackson you know, all through the season, they were really good on first, fourth downs, fourth and ones. They, I believe they were eight and eight. At eight tries, they had eight times. But that's different when you're in the playoffs. When you're in the playoffs, and yes, I'm not taking away from the, the, how good Lamar Jackson is. I'm not taking away from how good Harbaugh is. But when you're in the playoffs, what you want to sure thing. I think I've talked about this before. You want sure things. If you're at the if if you're, you know, in field goal position, you're already down and you have an opportunity to either go for it on fourth and one or take the field goal. Yes, you have Lamar, yes, you have Mark Ingram, who was clearly not a hundred percent from his injury. You're gonna want to take the points. It's like and you kind of sensed the crowd felt the same way. They were just waiting for Lamar Jackson to do have an incredible play. They were waiting for one of the tight ends to catch a, a crazy, you know, a crazy pass. They were waiting for the Ravens defense to force a, a three and out. And it seems like they didn't get that the entire game. And Mike Vrabel coached a hell of a game. But watching this game... And watching how Lamar Jackson struggled, you know, he had a lot of over and under throws. He he looked he looked nervous, and he looked like he was he looked nervous in the pocket. Of course, his his offensive line didn't help, but you you have to put a lot of the blame on Lamar Jackson because you put a lot of a cre- you put put a lot of the credit on him when he won this entire season, and you put, so you're gonna have to put a lot of the blame on him when he when he didn't look good and he lost. Now. Watching this game reminded me of 
the 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors. All through the season, they were breaking records. Hell, they broke the wins record, they broke the three point record, they broke the offensive, you know, they, they broke so many records in that regular season. You look at the Ravens, they did the same exact thing. They were breaking touchdown records. Lamar Jackson was breaking the rushing record for a quarterback. They were breaking so many records, and they were historical teams. This year's Ravens is one of the best regular season teams we have ever seen. Same as 73-9 and Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, with, with Klay Thompson, with, with Draymond Green. Those were, that was one of the best teams we have ever seen in NBA history. And then, we, and then we got to the playoffs, and we got to the World NBA Finals. And we saw, of course, Cleveland come back from 3-1 and win the NBA Finals. And we saw the Ravens lose to the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill, who did not throw over 100 yards again. We saw them lose 28-12. to And I just knew when they lost. The same way that they killed Steph Curry... It was the same way they were going to kill Lamar Jackson. And when I say kill, I understand that they didn't win. I understand that Steph Curry might not have had his best NBA Finals, and Lamar Jackson definitely didn't have his best game. But a lot of people that are maybe against Steph Curry, maybe against Lamar Jackson, maybe secretly wanted to see them lose, then when they get what they wanted, they come out the woodwork and start yeah, Lamar Jackson, I knew he was going to do this. You know, all his, all his stats are empty stats. Lamar Jackson isn't as good because he's not as good in the playoffs. Or Lamar Jackson was doing this against bad teams. And it's that third. And then you look at what they said about Steph Curry. Steph Curry has never won an NBA Finals. Steph Curry, even though he was the unanimous, unanimous MVP, he, he, he was on the team that lost to, you know, Cleveland. 3-1, Steph Curry is, is, is really trash. He shouldn't have won an uh, MVP. You know, he, he's, he's overrated. Lamar Jackson's overrated. That's the worst part about sports and being a fan of sports. A lot of people are only subject or subjective or objective when they want to be. Yes, Lamar Jackson lost. Yes, the Ravens were the number one overall seed and lost. That's not the first time we've seen it, but yes, they lost. That does not take away from the incredible season that they had. Yes, the Golden State Warriors lost that year, but it doesn't take away from them winning 73 games in the regular season. Yes, Lamar Jackson's going to have to get better. Yes, this is going to be fuel for him. Yes, we hope that you know the, the success that he had this year in the regular season transfers over to next year as well as more success, of course, in the playoffs. But don't then, if, if you're over here talking about Lamar Jackson is really trash, he's overrated, you, you're, you're, out of, you're, you're crazy. You cannot tell me the man that we saw this year is overrated, Lamar Jackson. Again, and this, this takes away from nothing that the Tennessee Titans, you know, shouts out to the Tennessee Titans, Again, Derrick Henry became, I think, the first player in NFL history to rush for over 160 yards, I believe, in, in three consecutive games. Ryan Tannehill is the first, you know, he, he's, one of the, he's one of the first players to 
win two playoff games without throwing over 100 yards. I think Trent Dilford did that too. Shouts out to, again, shouts out to the Titans. Shouts out to Mike Babel. Shouts out to Derrick Henry. Shouts out to the incredible defense that they have and, and Ryan Tannehill. And shouts out to the Ravens for the regular season that they had. Yeah, they lost, and I, I had them going all the way to the Super Bowl. Hell, I, I did, and, they, and that didn't happen, but it is what it is. That, it still doesn't take away from the great season. It still doesn't take away from Lamar Jackson being as good as he is. So the next game that we saw was, or the next game I want to talk about was the San Francisco 49ers and the Vikings. I said that the question mark was Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins did play probably his best game he's ever played against the Saints, but the 49ers present a different a different level of of a, a different level at least this year, especially defensively than the Saints did. Now, again, I had the Saints going to the Super Bowl too, but I said in the video that I made that the question mark was going to be Kirk Cousins. On paper, the Vikings have one of the best best teams in the entire NFL with the defense, with Thielen, with Diggs, with Delvin Cook. They have one of the best teams. The problem they have, and it's not really a problem, but there's a question mark, is Kirk Cousins. And we saw Kirk Cousins have a terrible game against the 49ers. And, of course, the 49ers then proceeded to beat Kirk Cousins 27-10. to 10. The 49ers have a historically good defense. And a lot of people still have question marks about Jimmy Garoppolo, but every Jimmy Garoppolo has, has won when he played bad, has won when the defense has played bad, has won when he had to be in a shootout. We remember what he did with the Saints. He's won in so many ways. Yes, he will be the second. Yeah, he, let me see. Mm. Yeah, he might, out of the next, in the, in, the, in, the NFC, in the NFC Championship, he will be the lesser quarterback, but his team is a lot better than the team that they will be going against. So, again, the Vikings... It's a, it's, you're only as good as your quarterback. We talked about that with Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers and why we said the LSU Tigers had the greatest college football season ever. And that is, uh, that's definitely, people's like, wait a second, what about the Miami Hurricanes? What about the uh, USC Trojans? The year that we saw this year was the greatest college football season for a, for a team in LSU Tigers. Because of how good Joe Burrow was. You look at the NFL, you can have the greatest team on paper. You can have, you know, the greatest running backs, the greatest wide receiver, the greatest defense. But that doesn't matter if you don't have a solid quarterback. And I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins isn't solid, but what I'm saying is we've seen Kirk Cousins nut up in situations like... When you need him the most, we've seen him fall short. They needed him yesterday, or they needed him Sun Saturday, and he didn't come. And he didn't come. He didn't come up the way he didn't come big like he did for the Saints game. And because of that, they lost. They they looked terrible. 
yeah, they, it was seven. It was twenty-seven to ten. But that ten, it was a bad ten. They looked bad the entire game. And again, now we have San Francisco 49ers playing in the NFC Championship. Next game I want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. I said in the video in a video that I made before this that this was the toughest game to choose because of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's entire team was pretty much decimated from the running back to the wide receivers to the defense. The entire team is decimated, but because Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I, 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 it was hard to pick against him. We saw what they did against the Eagles, and we see when they, what they've done, to, what he's done, time and time again. And while Green Bay had a really good defense, and of course they have Aaron Rodgers, they have Devontae Parker, they have Ad, uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones. You, it's very, it's, it's hard to count out. The Russell Wilson. And I said that it was going to be a close game. I think I picked 21 to 17 in, in my prediction. And of course it wasn't 21-17. It was 28 to 23. But the reason why it was hard to pick is exactly what we saw. Aaron Rodgers was incredible. Aaron Jones was good. Devontae Parker was incredible. Both the Smith brothers had, I think they had a pair of sacks. They looked incredible. And on the Saints, I mean on the Seahawks side, they looked incredible as well. The, one of the reasons why I think the Seahawks lost, and, and don't get me wrong, Pete Carroll is, an, is one of the best coaches in the NFL. But when you're running, when you're, when you, I understand that they want to be a run-first team. They want to be a, a, a pound team. They want to be a high-octane running team. I get that. But when your running backs rush for 27 yards or rush 27 times in a playoff game and only get 19 yards, and one of those yards or one of those runs was a 12 yard run, and you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, you might want to change up the game plan, especially if your, your team is injured. I think that some of the play calling in the first half of this game was kind of iffy. I think that they took the ball out of, out of Russell Wilson's hands way too much to give it to the running back. And don't get me wrong, Marshawn Lynch is still, I don't think he has it right now. And I don't know if he'll be back because the three running backs that were injured and Carson, Penny, and I forgot the other one, they will be back. But exactly what I thought is exactly what happened. Russell Wilson was incredible. Everyone else around him was was pretty was pretty mediocre. The defense tried their best, but when you're when you're injured at defense, you're only as good as your best defenders. Clowney played pretty good, but he had his moments. And Aaron Rodgers played incredible. He didn't have the 300, 400, 250 yard passing game, but he was incredible. And, and he made uh, really timely throws. He made a big third down conversion to Devontae Parker. He made a big third down conversion to Jimmy Graham. Uh, Devontae Parker had a really good touchdown pass. 
and and they and Green Bay moving to the NFC Championship. Again, and this this take this does not take away from anything that the Seahawks did this year because I didn't expect the Seahawks to be not not only I didn't I, I mean this is Seahawks I thought they they could make the playoffs but I didn't think they were gonna make it to the round two I didn't think that you know after you lose your three top running backs I was like yeah it's over for them and, and Russell Wilson went out and played incredible against the Eagles so again shouts out to the. Green Bay Packers for beating the Seahawks, and Aaron Rodgers looked incredible again. I, again, now the Seahawks and the 49ers are a whole are two different complete monster or two different monsters completely. But we'll I'll give my prediction in a minute. But we're gonna we're gonna take or Green Bay is gonna take what they had, and, and and just look forward to next week. You know so. And the last game we're going to talk about is the Kansas City Chiefs and the, and the Tennessee Tech, uh, and the Houston Texans. It was crazy. So the Chiefs go down twenty four, no twenty one to zero. The Texans are on. The Texans are in their field, you know. On they're they're pretty much close to scoring. They they have all the momentum. They are they are storming down the field. It's a fourth and one. And I say this all the time. There's when you do exactly what the defense wants you to do, you might have a problem. The one thing the one thing that when 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 you're when you have a twenty one zero lead and you're about to score again, and you're at the one-yard line, you've seen that they haven't been able... They, they looked all out of sorts. They haven't been able to stop Deshaun Watson. They haven't been able to stop DeAndre Hopkins. They haven't been able to stop Will Fuller. They haven't been able to stop Kenny Stills. Deshaun Watson has run up and... Has, has run them to the ground. And you're at a fourth and one. What does the defense want you to do? The defense would love for you to kick a field goal. The last thing the defense wants you to do is convert on a fourth and one with your offense and then go and score, and now you're down 28 to zero. What do the Texans do? The Texans then, looks like they're about to go for it, forced to burn one, they're not even forced, they burn one of their timeouts, gets the kicking team, and kicks it and goes up 24-0. And it's crazy. That was the turning point of the game. The Chiefs looked dis... They had the blocked punt. They had the muffed punt. They had a couple three and outs. They just looked bad. But one thing that... It's crazy. Watching the game and watching how... You know, the fans were freaking out, watching how the mascot was freaking out. I think everybody outside of the Kansas City Chiefs fans thought to themselves, Kansas City Chiefs know how this. We know how good Patrick Mahomes is. We know how, how explosive this offense is. They're not out of this. And we saw Patrick Mahomes, you know, just telling his, his, his teammates, y'all just make one play. It's one play away, one play away. They're down 24-0, and he's saying one play away. And 
And as as fans, we're like, yo, as fans of football, we're like, yo, they're not out of this. And what do you know? This, in a span of five minutes, five minutes, the Chiefs then go on a 28 to 0 run. And no, in a span of three minutes, they go on a 28 to 0 run. Like like basketball. And they ultimately score 41 unanswered points. The score is 41 to 21 or 24 before the before the Texans score again. That is a testament to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. That's a testament to how good his weapons are and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey was destroying the entire Houston Texans defense. That's a testament to just how bad the Texans defense was and how bad the coaching, some of the coaching was. Why would you not go for it on a fourth and one, but then a few plays later, go for it on a fourth and three? And if you're going to go for it on a fourth and three, which I agree with you on going on a fourth and three, why would you take it out your best player's hands and, and, and try to do a, 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 a fake kick? If you know you're going to go for it on fourth and three, let Deshaun Watson get you three yards. You didn't let him get one yard. At least let him get you three. But you didn't do that. You, you do a fake kick and, and try to have what Eric, uh, Reed give you a run or run you three yards, and he gets stopped. And the Chiefs end up winning 51-31. to 31. Patrick Mahomes throws the most, I think became, he throw, I think he became the, the youngest player to throw, what, seven touchdowns? Or only player to throw seven touchdowns in a playoff game? Or, or something like that. Chiefs mount one of the, Greatest comebacks in NFL NFL playoff history, down 24. And the crazy thing is, they mounted that comeback in three minutes. Now, yes, a uh, a muffed a muffed kick definitely helped them. But again, it's three minutes. They didn't. I think they didn't have a drive go over over what two and a half minutes in that in that three minute span. So then, so now, we have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Titans playing in the AFC Championship, and we have the San Francisco 49ers and Green Bay Packers playing in the NFC Championship. From what I just saw, it is hard for me to pick against the Kansas City Chiefs. The difference between the Chiefs and the Ravens is Patrick Mahomes. Now, I've said this before. Yeah, you know, Lamar Jackson definitely deserves the MVP. He definitely won the MVP this year. But I always said that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Russ, than Lamar Jackson. And we saw that this weekend or last weekend. I'm not taking, I, I'm not, 
yes, Derrick Henry will probably run. He can probably run crazy again because. I thought the Ravens were going to stop him. That didn't happen. And, hey, but if you're Ryan Tannehill, you're going to have to throw over 100 yards. <laughs> That's just going to have to happen. And the way that this Kansas City Chiefs defense is playing, I don't see it happening. Oh, well, he probably can throw over 100 yards. But I don't see the Kansas City Chiefs defense has been their Achilles heel this entire season until the end. And right now they are playing like one of the best defenses in the entire league. So because of that, I don't see, I, I, I didn't see the Chiefs catching or, or being able to win in the shootout against the Ravens. I definitely don't see the Chiefs being able to win a shootout against this Kansas City Chiefs team and Patrick Mahomes. And because of that, I have Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs making it to the NFL Super Bowl. And the NFC, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, is hard for their deep, their and, and the defense is really good. Their defense is not on the same level as as the as the Forty ers And then when you have Jimmy Garoppolo, when you have Kittle, when you have the pieces that they have on the offense, the Green Bay Green Bay Packers played the Forty ers before this year and got destroyed. And I don't think they're going to get destroyed again because the defense for the Packers is playing a little or playing better than they were then. However, I don't I don't see even though even if Aaron Rodgers has an incredible game, it'd be hard for me to see that against this defense. So because of that, I have the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl. Before we go, uh, we have we have two more things to touch on. Um, now, of course, for people that don't know what the Rooney Rule is, it is every organization is, is supposed to, if they have like a coaching position or a staff position open, they're supposed to interview an African or a person of color, whether that's African American, Indian, whatever, someone, someone that's not just Caucasian. And what we saw was we saw that rule not being implemented or not being put into effect this year. When we see player, when we see people like Matt Rule, Joe Judge, and Mike McCarthy get a job, and I'm not taking away from Mike McCarthy. I don't know how Matt Rule is going to do. I don't know how Joe Judge is going to do. And we see people like Eric Bieniemy, who a lot of people thought. And probably should be an NFL coach right now. Didn't even get an, a call. And the only thing I'm gonna say about this is, you're, yeah, it's a it's a rule, but people break this rule all the time, and, and and it's all about how you feel inside. Like I can interview a hundred thousand African Americans if I know I'm not gonna hire you, if I know I'm gonna hire a white guy. We're going to hire someone that's not of color. I can interview a thousand African-Americans and I'm still not going to hire you. And, and I'm not breaking the Rooney rule. It's just the, like a lot of people. I think they said the league is like 69% African-American. And Nick Wright said this and it was, it was profound. You trust an African-American or a person of color 
to play for your team, but you won't trust them enough to coach the team. I think the only two African-American coaches, head coaches, are the Steelers and the, the Dolphins. It was Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin. When you have people like Eric Bieniemy, who I think is an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, or defense, yeah, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I think. Now you have Romeo Cornell or Gormel. You have a lot of people that are good enough to be head coaches, yet that are African American yet don't get the call. And even if they get the call, if 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 you're a owner, if you're a whatever and you have no desire, and you already know in the back of your mind that you're not going to hire these African Americans even if you interview them, then you can have a Rooney rule, you can have any type of rule you want, but it is what it is. It's, It's a systematic thing, man, and until that changes, if that changes, we're going to continue to get what we get. And and again, like 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 Nick Wright said, you can trust the, you can trust African Americans to play for your team, to get hit for your team, to take concussions for your team, to get injured for your team, to win Super Bowls for your team, to win games for your team, to lose for your team. But you don't trust them to run the team or 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 be the head coach and control the team. And it's not just African Americans. It's, it's, it's Indians, it's or Native Americans. It's 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 Asians. It's women, and and that's just how it is. Until the foundation changes, or the mentality changes, you can have a Rooney Rule, and they can they can interview like I said a, a million and one people of color for the position but if I know I'm not going to hire you I'm just doing what I got to do so I won't get fined <laughs> so and but and lastly before we go the N, the WNBA and the players agreed to a new CBA which will pretty much triple the salaries of their of the top players um they extended the CBA I think like 8 years I believe the top WNBA players make like $500,000 a year. That is some of the same. That's probably the same amount of money that a lot of G-leaguers make in the NBA. So the fact that they're getting more money and, and some of their salaries are going to triple and double, it definitely, it, 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 it's important. Hell, there is there are some WNBA players that have been, like, are, 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 have shown to be better than some NBA players. There are teams, there are WNBA teams, like the, like the, like the, um, like the Lynx. The Lynx, as an organization, Minnesota Lynx, yeah, as an organization has been a hell of a lot better than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right now, the Washington Mystics are, have been a hell of a lot better than the Washington Wizards. Yet, the worst player on the Wizards is making better, making more than, or, yeah, is making more than the best player on the, on the Mystics. 
Now, of course, I know it's you know league passes and salaries and this and that, but it's good that the WNBA players are going to be making more money. This is big for women in general, and not just you know not just the women basketball players, women in general, especially in sports that a lot of people don't see them as you know top athletes. It's definitely good to see that not only does their CBA get extended eight or you know players associated get extended eight years, but players are going to be making a lot. Players are going to be making more, a little more than they you know than a little more closer to what they deserve. So um, I think that travel, you know, traveling to games and traveling friend games is going to be better. And uh, some of the hotels they stay in, some of the ways of transportation is going to get better too. So that's definitely important. We've seen stories of WNBA teams, WNBA teams getting stuck at airports, getting stuck on buses. So it's definitely important that they get they get the the necessary step, or they take the necessary steps, or are, they are taking the necessary steps to that kind of equal equality uh, with the NBA and WNBA. So. There you have it. That has been this episode of Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate appreciate everyone that's listened, everyone that's watching. Again, please subscribe to wherever you're listening to. And please share. Please share it. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Um, Until next time, much love.
I can't sleep until I feel your 